Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Sierra Metals first quarter 2021 financial results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you should require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker for today, Mr. Mike McAllister, Vice President of Investor Relations. Thank you, sir. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sierra Metals' first quarter 20, 2021 results conference call. On today's call, we are joined by Luis Marchese, our CEO, Ed Dimaris, our CFO. We are assuming that all published materials have been read, and as such, today's presentation highlights the key issues of the quarter. However, I would like to highlight that, as always, we are open for questions at the end of the presentation which can expand upon other issues that might be of interest to those listening. The accompanying presentation for today's call is available for download through the webcast or from the company's website at sierrametals.com. Yesterday's press release, the financial statements, and the management discussion and analysis are also posted on the company's website. Before I turn the call over to Luis, I would like to indicate that this earnings call contains forward-looking information that is based on, on the company's current expectations, estimates, and beliefs. This forward-looking information is subject to a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors. Actual results could differ materially from our conclusions, forecasts, or projections as reflected in the forward-looking information. Additional information about the material factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from conclusions, forecasts, or projections in the forward-looking information and the material factors or assumptions that were applied in drawing a conclusion or making a forecast or projection as reflected in the forward-looking information is contained in the company's annual information form, which is publicly available on CDAR or EDGAR via Form 40F or on the company's website. Please note that all dollar amounts mentioned on today's call are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise noted. I would now like to turn the call over to Luis Marchese, our CEO, for the first quarter highlights and the company outlook, and then to Ed Gamaris, to our CFO, for the financial highlights. Please go ahead, Luis. Thanks, Mike. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, turning now to slide four. Well, I would like to start by stating that above all, the safety of our workforce and the communities in which we operate remains paramount to the company. COVID-19 has imposed various direct and indirect challenges to the company and management, which have affected our ability to operate as effectively as expected in 2020 and continuing into 2021. Impacts have included delays in mine development and preparation of areas for mining, and consequently, 
lower head grace as we focus on larger and with lower grade core bodies as we strive to meet that. This has resulted in lower metal cells resulting from lower grades. Costs were also affected mainly due to indirect fixed costs, which still must be incurred despite lower metals production. That said, we continue to take proactive measures to mitigate potential impacts that COVID-19 may have on our employees, communities, operations, supply chains, and our finances. We continue to test and quarantine employees before they can join the active workforce and continue to monitor all employees daily. Further, we're also deferring some exploration and capital projects due to ongoing and carry forward difficulties from 2020. Additionally, our QC mine was also affected by a large-scale power outage that affected Texas and parts of northern Mexico, which caused lost production during an approximately 10-day period and continuous instability in the power grid of northern Mexico, which has also brought some other production difficulties uh, for the next few months. However, despite the challenges we faced, the company still had solid revenue and adjusted EBITDA and maintained positive free cash flow. Furthermore, while we are facing challenges from COVID-19, currently the midterm plans remain in place. Looking ahead to 2021, in 2021, please turn to slide five. Despite the challenges we are currently facing, we continue to see a strong growth opportunities for the company as the operations in Mexico are on their way to running at their increased capacities of 5,000 tonnes per day at Bolivar and 1,100 tonnes per day at Cusi. Furthermore, we recently received an ITS environmental permit for Jabricocha. I expect to receive the final ITM permit which is the operational permit by the end of Q2 2021. This would see Jabricocha increase permitted throughput by 20% to 3,600 tons per day. This would allow us to make better use of the already installed capacity and Jabricocha. At Jabricocha, we continue to complete drilling to grow our mineral reserves and resources, and complete the development work requiring operations to increase throughput in the future. We expect this capital expenditure project will result in future increased cash flows and lower cash costs. <clears throat> Additionally, we expect to fund these capital expenditure programs through the generation of operating cash flows. At Bolivar and Cusi, like Jabricocha, we are continuing with mineral exploration programs and completing infrastructure and operational improvements to double throughput in the future. These improvements include an expanded tailings facility at both mines and 
driving an underground tunnel that will connect the mines with the concentrator plant at Bolivar to improve efficiencies and reduce haulage costs. Additionally, at Bolivar, we expect to commence construction of an iron ore processing plant in June, which is expected to produce approximately 500,000 tons per year of 62% iron ore concentrate. This is expected to enhance Bolivar's profitability while also lowering our transportation and tailings development costs. This is a project that was approved recently by our board. We continue to work on the completion of the pre-feasibility studies for the three mines, which build upon the previous preliminary economic assessments completed at all three mines. They study the expansion of the Yavicocha mine throughput to 5,500 tons per day, and a doubling of throughput capacity at the Bolivar and Cusi mines to 10,000 and 2,400 tons per day, respectively. In conclusion, on slide seven, the company has had a relatively decent first quarter, despite the direct and indirect, I would say, residual challenges we face from the COVID-19 pandemic. We were still able to emerge with a stronger balance sheet and cash position. While we continue to operate in a vulnerable environment due to COVID-19, we remain hopeful. We expect further cash flow and liquidity improvements in 2021, a benefit of improving production and metal prices. The company has made the necessary capital investments and infrastructure improvements to continue growing production and improving costs. We remain committed to the company's prudent and sustainable growth, and more importantly, to improving the per share value benefiting all shareholders. With that, I will now turn the call over to Ed for the first quarter financial highlights. Ed. Thank you, Luis and good morning, everyone. Turning now to slide six, the company had a relatively good first quarter despite the COVID-19 related operational challenges. We reported a 4.5% increase to our consolidated throughput and generated EBITDA of 25 million. We also reported positive free cash flow and net income and we finished the quarter with approximately 74.3 million in cash. These relatively solid results are the product of evolving optimized operations and expansions ramp up, despite the effects of COVID-19, providing solid financial and operational performances, which we expect to continue as we progress into 2021. Our revenue mix by metal continues to be led by copper, followed by silver and zinc. While we have seen the copper portion reduced in Q1 due to previously disclosed factors, it is expected to continue to take a leading role in the company's metal mix of production and revenue. In Q1 2021, 
we saw an improvement in all realized metal prices. Copper continued to improve at the end of 2020 and into Q1 2021 and remains strong currently. I believe today it's at $4.70 a pound. Precious metals and zinc have also remained relatively strong in Q1 2021. Turning now to slide seven, compared to the same period in 2019, cash costs were higher at both Yaudicocha and Bolivar, attributable to lower metal production due to lower head grades from reduced tonnage contributions from higher grade zones and bad weather at Bolivar in the early part of Q1. At Kusi, cash costs were lower during the quarter due to the 23% increase in silver equivalent payable ounces sold. However, all in sustaining costs per silver equivalent payable ounce was in line with Q1 2020 as higher sustaining capital offset the impact of the increase in silver equivalent payable ounces. Turning now to slide eight, we finished the quarter with 74.3 million and have total net debt of approximately 25 million. The company continues to have a strong balance sheet, working capital and cash position to support capital expenditures and growth initiatives. Management remains committed to the company's prudent and sustainable growth plan and more importantly, improving the per share value, benefiting all shareholders. With that, I will now turn the call back over to Mike. Mike? Thanks, Ed. That ends the presentation portion of this call. As previously mentioned, we are open to discussing other topics of interest that shareholders may have. We would now like to open the calls to questions from participants. Operator, please open the line. Ladies and gentlemen, just as a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star and then the number one on your telephone keypad. So our first question comes from the line of Mark Reichman with Noble Capital Markets. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Good morning. So the first question is, is Louise probably addressed some of this in his commentary but I wanted to ask just what exactly needs to happen and, and when do you expect to see great improvements at Yuracocha and Bolivar? Thanks, Mark. Thanks for the question. 
I mean, what what has happened at uh, both mics, mics, uh, Mark, is that uh, we've been with the COVID situation for over a year now, and the, we have been over time prioritizing development and, and mining to make sure that we had the tonnes to to feed the the plant. Uh, in that process, we have been prioritizing larger ore bodies, although with lower grades. Okay, so we are now, we've had in the first quarter, the effect of this prioritization. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have made the advantage. Uh, as we speak, we are in the process of trying to catch up back on the development and reaching these higher grade areas so we can have uh, better results in terms of, of metal production. Having said that, I just want to highlight that the situation in Peru and Mexico in terms of COVID uh, is quite different from other parts of the world where due to vaccination, the pandemia seems to be receded. In Peru, we are still in the middle of the second wave and only around two or three percent of the population has been vaccinated. The government is starting to roll out vaccination for the over 70 year old people this week. So we are still a way ahead from going over the, the situation. And this is having uh, issues. This is presenting issues in terms of, of the work that we can do at the mine. Uh, certainly, we expect this to hopefully to finish by the end of, of the year when mass amounts of vaccines could be getting into the country. So in the meantime, we are uh, adding more contractors, reaching to more people, and trying to go back into our, our uh, development that is required. So I would expect that in the next coming months, we will start seeing uh, the results of that. In Mexico, uh, we feel that we are uh, starting to get into better areas as we speak, so we could see that sooner. But although uh, the, the team is, is, uh, is still struggling with, with some residual effects from, from COVID. So is it fair to say when comparing first quarter production actuals to the guidance range, I mean, it doesn't seem like it should be too much of a stress to achieve the low end of the range, but your ability to gain ground uh, during the remainder of the year, that will in part be driven by, you know, the trajectory of the impact of COVID. Is, is that the way to kind of think about it? Yes, yes. I think okay. that, that summarizes it. I've got a couple more questions, but I think I'll just go back into the queue and, and uh, follow up with them later. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Your next question comes from the line of Alex Hunchuk with CIBC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I was also going to ask on the guidance, so it looks like you guys have sort of uh, answered that one. But maybe switching to the exploration at your COCHA, um, you know, some, some nice results out there. Um, is that something that you guys, you know, can add to the resources this year? Or, you know, is, is it going to take a bit more drilling than that? And, you know, when, when could we maybe see some of that new zone um, in the actual mine plan? Uh, 
thanks Ed, for that question, Alex. Uh, yes, the the areas that we we started driving what we call the Crucero Cinco Mil uh, last year uh, to add to look into this one to one and a half kilometer stretch with the Esperanza and Cachicachi and start putting some exploration uh, spots there. As a result of that, we have found some continuity right next to the north of Esperanza. And that's what we announced in the marketing press release. So this is fairly close to where we are. Okay, so the next step is that we are going to do some uh, infield drilling and also a bit of uh, breasting up and down to see how far these uh, findings go. And this should take us to add resources this year. Like eventually even mine there. Okay, so so these are these are very good news. It's very close to where we are operating, and it should uh, help us uh, to to reach uh, better resources for this year. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, and then maybe could could you also just give a comment maybe on the political situation in Peru and and how that might impact your culture going forward? I know it's a bit uncertain still, but, but you know, how are you guys viewing that going forward? Yeah, well, uh, Peru is very, mining is very important in Peru. It's 10% of the GDP, 18% uh, of the taxes, uh, 40 whatever percent of, uh, of the exports of the country. So it's the elephant on, in the room in terms of the economy. And mm -hmm. it always comes as a topic of discussion in every presidential election. So this is the case now. We have uh, two candidates, one Keiko Fujimori and the other Pedro Castillo. They have also addressed uh, initi their initiatives around mining and their impact the country and, and, and their view. Uh, there are discussions our government take about uh, redistributing the benefits of, of the of the mining revenues into the population and the rest. Having said that, uh, Peru is a democracy, so there is a, if for the initiatives to move forward, they will have to go through Congress and, and, and through a, a strong debate. Keep in mind that the Congress has already been elected and none of the two candidates have a majority, they have minorities in Congress. So any decision-making in terms of anything, but in particular to mining, which is what we're discussing, would have to go through Congress and through a, a good debate. We are now, as you said, in the middle of the campaign, so it's a bit uncertain, you know, how campaigns are. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's, let's, let's wait for the result and see what comes out of this, and then uh, eventually we, we will engage in the industry will have to engage in a conversation and together with the political actors. Okay, no, that's, that's a good synopsis. synopsis. Thank okay. you. Um, okay. Yeah, that's, that's it for me. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you, Ali. Your next question comes from the line of Lee Cooperman with Omega Man Family Office. Thank you. 
Let me just say this, that uh, I am incredulous that you guys do not voluntarily say something about the strategic review process, which was ballyhooed as a big deal in early January. So what can you say to update us about the strategic review process? Thank you, Mr. Guberman. Thank you for the question. Uh, we, we can, okay, what I can say is that the strategic review process has also been affected by these unusual times, uh, and it's taking a bit longer than we, we had expected because of the restrictions on pretty much anything we when do When do you think that you'll have something to say? When we're, I'm not asking you what you're going to say, but when do you think you'll conclude the process, if you had a guess? Uh, we want uh, difficult to tell, but certainly we, we are working on it uh, consistently, and, and we expect this to happen in the next few months, uh, uh, and, and hopefully uh, come back to the, to the market with uh, good results from this process. All right. All right. A second question. If the process doesn't yield an attractive enough price, see, I, I happen to come from the vantage point. Your stock is significantly mispriced. Year to date, to give you an example, Freeport Copper and Gold is up 67%. Despite your putting a for sale sign in the company, your stock is only up 13% year to date. But if the, the strategic review process does not provide a, a, a price that's attractive, how much debt is the company willing to carry? Because I, I think we could recapitalize the company at a very favorable price. In other words, uh, I look at the, uh, you, you know, you look at your EBITDA forecast this year and look at the tonnage that you're projecting for the next couple of years. I assume your earnings will grow quite substantially if prices stay at these levels. Uh, but is the company prepared to take on debt to buy back stock, or is the company uncomfortable doing that? Thank you. Thank you for the question. Mike, maybe Mike can comment on the on the market situation and the comparison that you just made, and then we can comment on, on the scenario that you are suggesting. Yeah, so the only thing I would say there is, I, I, you know, yes, Lee, if you compare us to Freeport, then we're down. But it's not really an apples to apples comparison. Freeport is more of a pure copper play. We're a diversified producer. If you look at us compared to like a um, Hud Bay or some other, um, you know, base metal comparables, we're pretty much in line. Um, with iron ore, we're doing better, and silver peers, we're doing good against them as well on a mid-tier level. Um, so, you know, while I hear you on the Freeport, we're, we're not a major yet, <laughs> so a little ways off. So. It's not really a fair comparison to that. We're more of a major well, player. Well, what, what I would observe is none of these companies you're mentioning have put themselves up for sale. Generally speaking, when a company puts itself up for sale, you get a, you know, a premium because people anticipate a favorable outcome. And I am not interested in selling the company at a discounted price. So when I look at the enterprise value of the company and I look at our free cash flow, it seems to me that we could create a lot of value for the shareholders by, um, you know, recapping the company. In other words, uh, for example, if EBITDA was a couple hundred million, which I think will be next year, uh, and you had debt uh, to EBITDA, say, two times, that's $400 million, plus you'll be in a net cash position. That's two-thirds of the uh, market cap of the company. You know, so it's to me very exciting 
that uh, you know we can make our own luck. But anyway, I just plant that seed. Um, am I right in assuming that you're still staying with guidance, which is that at current spot prices, EBITDA this year of 170 to 185, and uh, on consensus prices 155 to 170. Is that still your guidance? Uh, thank you. Yes. Yes, it's still our guidance. Okay, um, good. Okay. Yeah. And I, I assume that you would anticipate, uh, in, uh, uh, if I said to you prices would remain at current levels, which is the big assumption, that uh, we would earn uh, more money in 2022 and 2023 than we're earning currently? That's correct. Okay, uh, good. Okay, and tell me about the iron ore project, which is going to take up uh, uh, you know a fair amount of capex. Uh, what, what 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 is the return on that capex likely to look like, or the profitability of the iron ore business? Uh, we're going to. Thanks for that question, Lee. Uh, we're we're very excited about that 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 project, which we are bringing into to construction now. Uh, we are going to release the economics in the next uh, few weeks uh, as, uh, as a reissued PA for, for Bolivar, including that project. So I cannot preempt the economics, but I can tell you some characteristics about this, this project. We are, we are going to do it at a very reduced capital intensity. We're going to spend, as, as you think in the press release, $28 million for half a million tons of iron ore concentrates, if you compare us with the capex intensity of any other iron ore project uh, in the market, we are in the low end. On the other hand, in terms of operating costs, uh, Bolivar is very fortunate that we have a railroad line only 50 miles from the mine. While if you have an uh, iron ore project anywhere inland in the world, usually building the infrastructure becomes a major hurdle and a major issue in terms of capex. We don't have that because we have the, the, the train available. And also we have uh, in Mexico one port, which is the closest one to our operation, that has a space and facilities and infrastructure to, to manage the production that we are going to bring from, from the magnetite. Uh, on the other hand, we have a, a quite a good uh, a stockpile of ore that we're going to process through these new facilities, and uh, these will drive our own cash operating costs at the mine to the low end. So now our challenge is to bring these to operations as soon as possible, and then we are going to add value from our ore resources. So on top of our current metals mix, which is, I think, extremely strong, because we have, you know, as, as you are aware, copper, silver, zinc, and the rest, we are going to add iron ore. So uh, Sierra Metals is going to pretty much become an example of the right metals mix for the future. Yeah, uh, you don't want to answer the question for a few more weeks, but by and large, you you have the answer because you would would have not gone ahead and approved the capex of 28 million without doing the analysis. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes, yeah, okay. but, so but we yeah, have to follow. We have to follow the the regulations. Uh, well, this is an open mic. You know, you have this is open to the public, right? So whatever. I don't want to go down that path. Just, uh, do you expect yeah. to end the year with more cash than you have presently? In other words, you have 175 million dollars. Let's say I'm using a Zibita. Uh We have capex of um, what 106 million. Uh, how much of that 106 million has already been spent this year? 
In other words, how much additional uh, spending uh, are we looking at? Have you spent any money this year yet of the, of the 106? Yeah, yes, yes, we have, we, and we're we're a little bit behind in Q1. We're about 10 million from what we said in terms of annualized. If you were to take the quarter and annualize that, um, but to answer your question, yeah, we expect there to be a positive free cash flow, so an add-on to to the to the cash balances. Yes. Yeah, I would expect that you would end the year debt-free. You know, if you took your cash minus your debt, that you would be debt-free. Is that a bad assumption? Too aggressive? No, it's going to be it's going to be closely, but yeah, it's going to be approximately uh, around that. Might have some, but it's going to be de minimis. Might be less than ten million. This is a little bit esoteric, but you know, uh, I am I think the third largest shareholder in the company. Um, and I, I, if we don't have a favorable conclusion to the auction process, and I'd say do we don't have a favorable conclusion, I, I think that this, the buyer should have to pay materially more than the last sale to buy this business, that we should consider uh, uh, substituting uh, uh, debt for equity in the capital structure. In other words, we're in an environment where interest rates are lowest in history, and our equity price is uh, very cheap relative to the underlying asset value. So it seemed to me to be intelligent to substitute debt for equity in the capital structure as long as we feel we're, you know, a couple hundred million dollar EBITDA type earner, which I suspect you think we're probably higher than that going forward. They're just expressing a view, expressing a view and uh, I'm happy to discuss that offline with management. And my last observation, <laughs> you're going to love this one, Mike. Why are we making it so difficult for people to l- listen to the call? Why are we requiring pre-registration and stuff like that? What are we afraid of? I mean, I, I'm, I've been doing this for over 50 years. I, I don't recall this being done by anybody else. Why are you, why are you doing it that way? To, to ask questions, you have to pre-register. It's a matter that our provider has scaled back during covid uh, there's not as many operators available, and so if everybody dials in at the last minute, they're going to be overwhelmed, and so they're asking people to pre-register. Um, we're hoping that this will go away. Um, as things gotcha. Okay. I got you. Thank you. Thank you for your answer. I appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Thank you. Your next you question. Your next question comes from the line of Richard Carring- Carrigan with Equitech. Good morning, guys. You've already answered my questions, but I have one one last question. Did we undertake this review process four months ago as a result of some specific expression of interest in the company? That's my only question Uh, now. uh, Well, thank you. Thank you for the question. Uh, No, it was because we, we, the board discussed the strategic position of the company, and it was uh, the view of the board that it was a good time and the right opportunity to to undertake this this process. And did I understand you correctly, answering a, a an earlier question that the process will will probably drag on for another two months, perhaps? Well, I, I cannot preempt that. Uh, but uh, we we expect that it will go for the next few months. Thank you for your time and good luck. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Jim Young with Midwest Investments. 
Yeah, hi. The, a couple of questions here for you. Number one, regarding these uh, cost trends that you experienced in the quarter, are these expected to remain at these uh, elevated levels for the foreseeable future, or would we expect to see the uh, decline materializing over the next couple of quarters? Thank you. That's my first question. Thank you, Jim. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, as the grades go up, Jim, we expect the the cost per per metal produced to go down. Uh, but that's a function of how uh, we can be successful in bringing this higher grade ore into the into the mix. I think we are getting there in Bolivar. Uh, who is a bit behind because of all the impacts that they had in the first quarter. Jauricocha, it's a bit more difficult because, as I said, we are in the middle of this uh, second wave in Peru. Uh, so it's, it's getting a bit uh, trickier to to get into those ores as soon as we would have liked to. Having said that, uh, we are uh, bringing uh, more workforce into the into the mine and trying to to get faster into those those grades. So that's a function of how we do and how well we can do in terms of, of this COVID situation. Let me give you a number uh, that strikes that has striking me in the first quarter. In January, out of the 560 70 the people that work in Bolivar, we had in the through the screening process, we could stop over 150 that were sick with COVID. And in February, we had over 40. So we're talking in the first month, over 25% of our workers was sick of COVID. And in the second month, another 8%. So this has been uh, a real hit, okay, uh, in Mexico in the first quarter. Now we're seeing way lower numbers, but we are still looking into it. Now in Peru, we are seeing more cases. Uh, so we still don't know how this is going to evolve, but we are happy that our screening process is working, okay? But we are certainly unhappy that so many of our workers have been uh, sick out of this uh, disease over the last few months. Great, thank you, and I appreciate your uh, focus on the safety for, of the uh, of the employees. The next question would be pertaining, and this is for Ed, is regarding the TCs and RCs. And uh, Ed, I recognize and understand that in the past you aren't able to really comment directly upon uh, Sierra Metals' uh, specific situation, but can you give us a sense as to how much of the benefit from lower TCs and RCs we saw in the first quarter? And can you help us give us a feel for how much additional benefit do you expect in the second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter of 2021? Thanks, Jim. That's, that's a very good question. And, uh, and I don't mind going in and elaborating a little bit more on the PC situation, especially with the rising, uh, rising metal prices. And I could explain a little bit how the TC mechanism works. So just... First, first off, the, 
the first quarter still had TCs and RCs uh, from the previous year negotiated contracts. And that was because, because of COVID, we had delays in uh, fulfilling all of our contractual commitments with our customers, with our off-takers. Um, typically, these, these contracts for, uh, for concentrates um, are very short-term. They're, they're usually one year in nature. Uh, and the the reason the, the reasoning for that is many we do uh, we do a tender process every year it involves about 20 off takers uh, some refiners um, and and built into these uh, the TCs RCs if you will are are escalators and what that means is that when you negotiate a contract the counterparty wants to or puts in provisions that they participate in the upside of any metal price. So in the case of, let, let's just take copper. Copper has, uh, a year ago, copper was around $2.50. We're currently at $4.70. So what does that mean to the TC? Your, your TC would be negotiated at a base price and that base price, for argument's sake, uh, let's just say was $6,000 per ton uh, copper price. We're now at over $10,000 per ton and rising. What, th what this, the implications on the TC is, as, as the metal price rises, the off-takers can participate by way of uh, an escalator in the form of higher TC. So uh, that, that essentially what I'm saying is that they participate in the upside. We don't get 100% of the upside. It's not like you can just take a benchmark TC for copper, for instance, of uh, $60. Uh, no, that $60 uh, will, will increase. And, and in the case of copper, it could be, it could be significant. If, if metal prices were to stay where they are now, um, you could see a significant rise in that uh, in that TC based on the escalator. That's that's correct. That's that's interesting industry wide, and and it does affect our all-in sustaining costs, not our cash costs, but our all-in sustaining costs, which is essentially out of our control. Um, in that uh, we we included in the in in the overall cost number. So. And, and that's what we're we're dealing with there. So there is some upward pressure definitely on the TCs and RCs, even though we negotiated much better terms in terms of if you if you want to take benchmark as uh, if you look at benchmark for zinc, for instance, it was down almost um, last year's benchmark was about 300. This year, I think they 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 were closer to the 140, 150 level. Same thing with copper. They were down probably 25% compared to last year, but you now have to factor in this escalator, if you will, uh, and that uh, that could be significant, especially for copper. That, you know, copper, copper's on a, a tear right now. It, is it a bad thing? No, it's a, it's a good thing. I think we shouldn't. I'd, I'd sooner take this than a copper price of 250, but it's important to, to recognize that we don't participate fully in the upside of metal. And that's just for this year. That's, 
That's correct. So these, the, because we keep these contracts relatively short term, so when we negotiate next year, the, these escalators, they reset to zero. So if, if copper was at 470 on January 1st, 2022, um, or whenever we negotiated that contract, that escalator, or that's the base, base price, and then escalators go from there. So it really doesn't have any impact long-term. It's really just a short-term impact on uh, on the TC situation. Is that similar for RCs too? I uh, know it's just a TC. It's it's on the headline. It's on the treatment chart. Normally, these things wouldn't be. We hardly talk about it because you wouldn't see significant swings in in base metal prices like we've seen. I, I, I don't recall seeing such a swing over the past uh, 10 years in, in copper prices. Okay, and then secondly, I guess our last issue to just say is that um, the guidance that you gave back on January 18th for EBITDA, I would, I'm, I'm a little curious and a little bit disappointed, frankly, that you have not eliminated the low end of that range because of, yeah, and I totally recognize and understand that the, the near-term challenges from COVID, the impact on production, the impact on grades a little bit, but it would seem to me that given where the commodity prices are overall, that that low end of the range is just way, way out of the question. So I don't understand why you're not eliminating that low end of the range and updating that guidance for EBITDA for 2021? I think it's still premature, Jim. We'll, we'll certainly look at it. I think probably in, in a couple months when we close off Q2, we'll definitely uh, we'll provide a lot more clarity at that point. But, but now, given, given the cost that we've had in Q1 associated with COVID, uh, given this price participation in, uh, that I've mentioned in terms of not benefiting fully in the, the price of, of the metals, um, it's we're, we're comfortable leaving it where it is, and uh, we may make further adjustments or refinements to that uh, in the future. But for now, we're maintaining as is. Okay, thank you very much. That's, that's all for right now. And you have a follow-up question from the line of Mark Regman with Noble Capital Market. Yeah, uh, this is a question for Ed. Uh, so capital expenditures for 2021, those were originally forecasted to be $78 million, which included kind of a, a, a carryover of $10 million from last year. So 37 was for sustaining, 41 was for expansion. Uh, and now you've got the, the $28 million for the iron ore processing plant. So do you expect to expend the full budget you know, for the for the year, or, or or maybe I should just ask. You know, could you kind of address the spending uh, for the remainder of the year, including the uh, twenty eight million for the the processing plant? Thank you for the question. And yeah, with with COVID, we have had restrictions, and that has affected mine development. It's affected uh, uh, exploration development, um, and so that was uh, we had. That explained the carry forward into uh, 2021. Could we have a similar carry forward? It, it's still too early to tell, but if we are restricted 
um, uh, in terms of headcount, it could it could have an impact. Um, so, including the magnetite, we're looking at 106 million. The 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 78 million plus the the 28 million that was just recently. Could we fall short okay, of that? So yeah, it, it, it's too early to say, but there there could be if, where we might have a, a carry forward into into next year. But if we do, it's it's really at the it's because of the safety precautions and uh, and just having lower headcounts. Yeah, so some of that spending will fund some of the improvements that uh, Louise alluded to in my earlier question. So, in terms of the, uh, you think. For you know, for your ability to gain ground in the in the, the for the remainder of the year, you know, to to uh, uh, in terms of production, is most is that more of a function of the sustaining capex spending, or or will some of that be on expansion as well? In terms of maintaining, because we we could easily should be all plant the plant capacity, we we can go over. You know, so that's it's really it's just in the sustaining. The, the growth really doesn't impact uh, production. It's all in the right. sustaining. And the okay. good thing is we have we have the cash to fund the capex. So if we can, we definitely will spend it. It's it's uh, it's really uh, more of a security uh, situation regarding COVID. Okay, great. Thank you very much. And there are no questions at this time. Thank you, operator. That concludes today's call. On behalf of the management team, I would like to thank all the participants for joining us today. A replay of the webcast and all materials can be found on our website at sierrametals.com. If there are any further questions or concerns, you may reach out to us after today's call. Our contact information can be found in today's presentation as well as on the company's website. Thank you, operator. Please conclude the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation in today's conference call. Today's conference call has concluded. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.